Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing this morning? Man, didn't they do a good job? We have like magic trees that glow up there now. I like those. Those are cool. Yeah, that's for Brandon and the worship team. They did that, not me. I um, hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving, that you had plenty of um, pecan and uh, apple pie so that nobody had to eat pumpkin. Hope that it was good. Um, nobody, don't give, nobody likes pumpkin pie. Y'all know that? Pumpkin pie is what you eat when everything else is gone. I mean, that's how you know Thanksgiving is over. Time for y'all to leave. All we got left pumpkin pie. Y'all leave. Just go on, get out. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend any of y'all, but, you know, and dressing is worthless too. I'm just saying. How many of y'all eat dressing any other time of the year other than Thanksgiving? Uh, two of you. Y'all put your hands down. Y'all lying? <laughs> if it's that good, you'd eat it all year long. How come nobody? It's, it's just, we just eat it Thanksgiving. It's, I mean, if you like slathering and gravy and meat and stuff, it's all right. I'll give you that. But anyhow, hope y'all had a good Thanksgiving with your families and hope it all went well and all that. And uh, we're, uh, we're going to, one of the things I want to do kind of in this in-between time um, I'm not going to start a new series until probably January, but um, we're going to do some Christmas messages coming up. And uh, one of the things I, I really feel uh, committed to doing is going back and looking at some of the, uh, you know, kind of the, 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 the key scriptures in the Old Testament, you know, some of those key moments that really set the tone for um, the rest of, uh, of, of the word. And today we're going to look at Abraham and um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. And we're going to talk about, you know, when God tests you and the difference between that. There's tests that we have to face, and there are also temptations we have to face. And I want us to look at why those are different. And um, uh, is that, cut, is the mic cutting out or is that just me? Are y'all getting that? Some, it was cutting out there for some reason. I'll make sure everything's plugged in right. I think everything's good on my end. So anyway, all right. Um, and so we're going to be, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 22. And it's really kind of a, a school of faith that Abraham goes through in his life. And he has many instances where he, he really just has to trust God. You know, God comes to him um, really when he's even an older guy and says, hey, I want you to pick up everything. And I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave um, everything you've known your whole life, and I want you to go somewhere. Just start traveling this way. I'll show you when you get there. And Abraham, he obeys. He gets up and he believes God and he goes. And then there's times where he had testings that he didn't pass. You know, there was a famine in the land he was living in, and, and he didn't ask God. He just went and moved to Egypt because they had food there, and that ended up being a disaster for him. And so there were tests that he passed and tests that he didn't pass, but we're, this one's kind of the the apex that we're going to talk about today of the tests of Abraham's school of faith. And so we're going to read verses 1 through 3 in Genesis 22. If you'd please stand and honor the reading of God's word. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants along with him, along with his son, Isaac. Thank you. You may be seated. 
So, this is the only time in Scripture where God tells someone to do something like this. As a matter of fact, later on in the Scripture, it's, um, God outlaws it and, you know, and, 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 and forbids people from doing anything like that. And he talks about the evil of those in the, in the promised land and how they sacrifice their children. And so, here's the thing we need to know at first. God was testing Abraham's faith, but Abraham didn't know that. I mean, now we can look back and, and realize, hey, God was never going to make him do that. But Abraham had no idea. Abraham didn't know that. And I want you to remember Abraham's journey is that God had been telling him all along, you're going to have an heir. And, and Abraham, you know, that was a, a difficult thing in those days to not be able to have children. And Abraham even begged God, well, if only you could see Lot, you know, he's my nephew. He could be my heir. I mean, he wanted a, a, a son, someone who could be like a son to him that could be an heir. He wanted that desperately. And so God comes to him when he's 75 years old and promises him that he's going to have a child. He's going to have a son. Now, if I was Abraham and I was 75 years old, I'd think, well, this better happen pretty quick because I'm 75 years old. Well, quick is relative, I guess, in God's eyes, because it didn't happen until he was 100. When he was 100 years old, he had Isaac. And you know, there's something about um, having a child a little bit later in life. You know, the, the last one that we had, um, or adopted, you know, the, it, my wife had said, we're not having another one unless God drops in our lap. Well, God did just that. And I was 42 years old when we adopted him. So I knew immediately that I was going to be 60 when he turned 18 or graduated from high school. And I'm like, man, that's old. It seemed old to me then. It doesn't seem like it's that old now, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, but one of the things about him is because, you know, I was at, a, at a, that age is, I don't love him more than my other kids, but I probably enjoyed things with him that were maybe even an annoyance at times with the younger ones. You know, there's something about having one when you're older and you developed a little bit of patience and maybe you've, you've already done some of the things that you were trying to do when you had younger kids. There's something about it. And so I can just, I really relate to Abraham in this and know how much he enjoyed just watching his son and how much he enjoyed being around him. You know, now I have a granddaughter and man, I, I love just watching her. And you know, she, you know, she is all over the place, man. And she will come crawl up in my lap, flop around for about three seconds and she wants down. And I'll just tell her, bye-bye, thanks for coming by. And she'll run around, she'll do the same thing over and over again. And it never bothers me. You know, now it might've bothered me when I was younger. I might have said, hey, quit, I I'm doing something, stop. But now I'm like, you just enjoy it. And Abraham, this was what he, he'd waited his whole life, a hundred years of it for this. And he loved Isaac. He's his son. And now God comes to him and says, I want you to go and sacrifice him on the mountain. And it, it really is the, a, a test, when a test comes, really, challenges us to live by what we say we live by. In Habakkuk 2, 4, it says, but the righteousness will live by their faithfulness to God. And there are times we're challenged to just be faithful. And so there's a difference between testing and temptation. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit. Some people, you know, the, the, sometimes we even believe, oh, well, I'm being tested when really we're just paying, we're reaping what we sowed. 
You know, we chose not to follow God before, and now there are consequences, and we try to call it testing, but that's not, that's not testing. That's the, the, the results of temptation. And here's, what te- here's where temptation differs from when there's a trial or a test from God. Temptation is kind of logical. It sort of makes sense to us. It's something we already wanted. A test comes to us, and we're like, man, I didn't want this. As a matter of fact, I never thought this was going to happen. But a temptation is something that we wanted all along. And the temptation is that we fulfill that desire in a way that God's already told us not to. But there's a logic to it. You know, you hear all the time, well, you know, I mean, y'all need to live together first because that way you know if you're compatible. Well, I've been a pastor for 30 some odd years. If I sat down and added up, I could tell you exactly how many, but it's more than 30. I've been married for 32 years now. And I'm just going to be honest with you. No one is really compatible. (laughs) No two people are compatible. Okay, there's nobody that, oh, wow, everything's just perfect. We, uh, unless you've been married like a month. And I'd even question that, to be honest with you. Because what happens is we, we, we think differently. We, we see things differently. We were raised differently. And there's going to be conflict. There's going to be compromises. And, well, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't, why do we got to have pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving? Because my family already did, but I don't like we're having it. Well, can you cook another one? Okay, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's compromises. Nobody's compatible. And so the whole, well, you need to see if you're compatible. You'll never find somebody and get married. All you're going to do is practice commitment. Then you get to a point where, oh, man, we just, it's not working. We just don't really, you know, I need to find the perfect person. I mean, women, if you're trying to find a dude that wants to sit down with you and watch Christmas Lifetime music in, movies in July, they don't exist. And I don't know if y'all realize some of Y'all been trying, ain't you? Uh, some of y'all don't realize all those movies are exactly the same. You know that, right? City girl comes to the small town. She's rich and successful and runs into a carpenter with a heart of gold. Whatever. They're all the same. And that may, that may, oh, I just love that. And the guy's going, oh my gosh. Ah. Can we watch anything else? So you ain't going to find somebody like that. You know what marriage is for? Marriage is that you made a commitment to God to love and serve someone else, no matter how much they get on your nerves some days. It's a commitment to love one another, to show the world how Jesus loves us. That's what marriage is for. It's not about finding the person that's perfect for you. And you need to make sure. No, you don't. You find the person God's led you to that wants to serve and love him just like you do. And you get married. And you move in together. And you discover all these amazing, wonderful, horrible things about one another. (laughs) And you love each other anyway. And in doing that, you, you make a a model for your kids someday and for the people around you about how Jesus loves us. See, temptation sounds kind of logical, but it doesn't work. It seems to make sense. 
James 1, 12 through 15, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Man, you got to patiently endure. Patiently endure. That means it, it, those things take a while. It takes a while. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God does not tempt people. Remember, God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, we're all tempted by something. And it's our desires that Satan feeds upon and preys upon to get us to sin. And a lot of times, you know, those things that, that we want and we desire are good things, but God has given us a blueprint about how to find those things and how to live in them. And I want you to understand something. I'm not, I, I'm not by any means trying to, to make you feel bad about your past. Jesus died for all of our sins. I'm trying to get you to live right now. That's all I'm concerned about in a way that pleases him. And some of y'all, y'all, all of us have given in a temptation. But you, you're following him now, and that's what matters. But understand Temptation is when Satan uses temptation to get the worst out of us. God uses testing to, to bring the best out of us. So temptation comes from our desires. And it comes, it'll come disguised even as something good. It'll come masquerading as what God wants, but kind of a little off. If you got to break God's word to get something, then it's not God's plan, period. These temptations, no, and there, there's another thing. Nobody can say, oh, man, it was more than I could stand, or I didn't have another choice. I had to do this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Everybody's tempted by something or some things. We're all tempted. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I guarantee you, every single one of us, when we were being tempted about something, there was a moment there of decision where we could say, you know what, I need to do these. I can get out of this. I can stop this. I can choose to be obedient to what God's called me to do. Or I can go ahead and go down this path. We all have, that's, that means there's a way out. We all have a way out of whatever sin is in front of us. Whatever temptation is there, there's always a way out that God gives us. And even after we're in it, we still have a choice to repent of it. That means turn away from it no matter how deep in it we are. The enemy will try to tell you, oh, no, you can't do it now. 
It's too com- if somebody says it's too complicated, it is never too complicated to do what God tells us to do. Now, it may mean we got to untangle a few more things, but no matter where you're at, if you're in, in the midst of sin because of temptation, the answer is simple. Stop. Repent. It means turn away from it now. Get out of it as fast as you can. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, these trials, those tests that we go through, will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, one of the best things about a test or of your faith or a trial is that it shows you what your faith's really made of. And it gives you the opportunity to see God do what only God can do. Tests come and they don't make sense. They're not something we want. Sometimes they're the things that we feared or we dreaded. When a test comes, it, it, it doesn't, it's not something we want to go through. I can't imagine how Abraham was even prepared for this moment when God said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. You know, sometimes we're tempted by things that happen around us all the time. Maybe it's to look on our phone while we're in church when we ought not. That might be directed to somebody in particular, I'm just going to say. Sometimes it's to do other things. But when tests come, it's never something that we wanted. It's never something that we hoped for. So I can't imagine what Abraham was feeling in that moment. But you know what he did? He got up the next morning and he got a couple of servants and he chopped wood for the, for the sacrifice. He immediately obeyed God. And that's important. The best time to obey God is the moment you know what God wants you to do. The second best time is right now. So if you didn't, when you first heard, obey him now. But the best thing is to obey him as soon as you know. So here's what he does. He doesn't know what's coming. He doesn't even know exactly where he's going. He doesn't know how all this is going to work out. But this is the difference between those who are called by God. 2 Corinthians 5.11, for we live by believing and not by seeing. What do we believe? We're not believing just fantasies. We believe God's promises. We believe what he's told us. We believe the word of God. We hang on to that when we don't get it. That's what a test is. You see, God didn't give him explanations. He didn't tell him up front, hey, I'm not really going to make you go through with it. He didn't tell him any of that. He didn't say, hey, I'm just, you know, kind of, this is going to be a lesson for you. He said, get up, 
Sacrifice your son on a mountain, I'll show you. And he did. He got up and he, he headed that direction. He was obedient in that moment. He didn't know what was happening. He didn't understand it. He didn't know why in the world God would ask him to do something like that. But he got up and he headed out the next morning. He was living by believing. So what was he believing? Well, here's what he was believing. He believed what God had told him. And God had told him in Genesis 21, 12, God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. So he's like, these two things don't seem like they could work, but I'm going to believe God. God told me my descendants would come through Isaac. He's not married. He doesn't have any kids. He's not even old enough. But I'm going to believe his promises even when I don't see how they could be fulfilled. So he got up and he walked. In Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Now, I want you to understand, hey, we get that now. Well, yeah, I mean, Jesus raised people from the dead, and then he rose from the grave himself. I get, I, of course we should believe it. But Abraham didn't have any of that. As a matter of fact, there's no record in Scripture of anybody being raised from the, from the dead to life again. Abraham was believing in something that never happened. And not only that, nowhere in here does it even talk about it. But Abraham believed what God had told him, that through Isaac, his descendants would come. And so he believed, even though he couldn't see. You see, what was happening looked like, well, that's going to wipe all that out. But he chose to believe what God had told him, what God had promised him. And the other thing he did was he believed God, he obeyed God, and he declared his faith in God. When did he declare it? It's in Genesis 22.5. The boy and I will travel a little farther. He's telling his servants to remain behind. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. He said it out loud. You know, one of the things that happened when we, in our second adoption, we had to go to, to court, and the lawyers told us we had a very slim chance of winning. Everybody else told us that. I went through months praying and fasting before God of asking him to deliver us. And there came a day, it was two or three months before the actual trial, we were like six or seven months in where I felt like God gave me an answer and said, it's going to be all right. I'm going to take care of it. She's staying with you. And then God told me to tell people. And I was like, I don't know, God, that's pretty risky there. But I did. I got up and I told our church that God had given me a promise that God had spoken and that it was going to be okay and we were going to win. 
And you know what? You'd expect believers to be like, oh man, that's awesome. We're standing with you. And some of them did. But a lot of them thought maybe I'd lost my mind. And a lot of them were worried that if it didn't turn out the way I guess they thought I was hoping, would I be able to take it? How would I handle it? And so there were some like, man, I'm, I'm worried about him. But I said it anyway. And you know, you might say, why would, I, why would Abraham say, we'll come right back? God had just told him he was going to sacrifice his son because he believed God. And sometimes you need to declare it. I'm not saying you need to get in front of the whole church. I'm not saying you need, and, and listen to me. I want you to understand something. Saying it ain't going to make it happen. That stuff people say, well, you got to proclaim it. And then that'll, no, that, that doesn't, all I was doing in that moment was being obedient. Because God had already told me what he was going to do. So that was the key. God had to do it. God told me he was going to do it. And I told others that I believed God. That was, it was that simple. And so he, he proclaimed it. He confessed his faith. The boy and I'll be, we're going to travel a little farther, and then we'll be right back. We will be right back. We will be right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Man, I can't imagine having it. Can you imagine having that conversation? Can you imagine what was going through his heart and his mind? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. You know what he's saying? God's going to work it out. It's going to be okay. I don't know what's going to happen, but God's going to take care of it. You know what Abraham didn't do? He didn't bring a sheep along just in case God changed his mind. He brought only what God told him to bring. He did only what God told him to do. You know, years and years ago, my wife and I and our, our church at the time, we were at a, a Frontliners crusade in Colorado, and um, there was a night, it was an evangelistic crusade, but, you know, the pastor said, hey, this is going to be our people tonight. And so I remember Kelly telling us that he was going to preach to the church. And he preached a message, and particularly a passage of Scripture that, that really changed my life and our life, that we hung on to for years after that. And it was Isaiah 50, 10 through 11. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, and that's what happens when you're tested. You walk in darkness for a period of time. You're not sure where you're going. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how things are going to work out. He said, if you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, this is not talking about people who are disobedient. This is not talking about people who don't know God. This is talking about people who fear the Lord and are walking in darkness. 
without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Because when you're in the middle of that darkness, you ask yourself, did God forget? How can I get out of this? But next comes a warning. But watch out. You who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. You know what the warning is? Don't try to light your own fires. Don't try to make your own light. Don't try to do what only God can do. What do you do? You walk in the darkness one step at a time. You rely on God. You trust only in him. And you wait. Dear brothers and sisters, James 1, 2 through 4, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, sometimes you've got to go through some stuff to grow your faith and to grow endurance. You know, I don't know what kind of tests Abraham went through after that, but I know one thing. Whatever test he came through, he went, that ain't nothing like being asked to sacrifice my only son. Let me tell you something. We went through some tests when we were younger. We, we went through tests while we were here, and while we were here, none of them measured up to that test. And so let me tell you something. We knew what to do when we were in them. And we weren't, I, now am I going to tell you that we, we, we didn't have moments, but we weren't afraid because we knew God would deliver us no matter what. We had developed endurance. We had allowed, God had allowed and grown our faith during a time of darkness so that when we came to other tests later on, we were ready. Now, see, now looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. In the moment, if I'd had a magic wand, I'd have made it go away. But looking back, I'm grateful for going through that experience. Because it made every experience that came after it easier. Now, I understand nobody's like, man, if you sit around going, I'd love to go through something like that soon, you don't really know what it is then. But it'll come. Now, everybody's experiences and, and tests are different. There's no record of Lot having any tests of faith. Lot experienced the consequences of his choices. He chose to live down by Sodom and Gomorrah. He chose not to leave. And eventually, it cost him. It wasn't a test. It was a consequence. Abraham chose 
when the king of Sodom came later on and offered him all this wealth, he said, I don't want anything from you. He rejected it. And God blessed him as a result. And then came the test. You'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, we're going to go on in the story in, in 9 through 14. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. You know, here's the deal. I, I, I don't know if God just like, and it appeared there, and it wasn't there before. I, no idea. Or if it had been there the whole time, and Abraham just couldn't see it. But what I do know is that it was there when Abraham needed it. In that moment, it was right there. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yara, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You know, the literal translations mean, means the Lord will see to it. The Lord will see to it. When you're in the middle of darkness and you can't see, the Lord will see to it. When you're in a place and you feel like you're going to lose everything because you've trusted God and you've been brought to this place, the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. And you know what? We would all love to know I'd love for it. I would have asked for it if I could, if I'd have known what to ask for. That God would have just given me the answer at the beginning, but he didn't. There were months where I prayed and I sought God and I fasted on my face and heard nothing. But I continued to trust God. And I continued to seek after him and carried it the same thing and God gave us an answer and here's the thing God will provide at the right moment what you need it won't be when you want it to be provided that's not how it works but it will be when you need it to be provided the Lord will see to it. Now, some of y'all are in the middle, are just starting a test right now. And I hope this message is an encouragement to you. And listen, 
on the mountain of the Lord, here's the deal. God told him to go to a specific place. And it wasn't until he got to that place in the journey that the lamb was provided. And so I don't know where you are in that journey. You're making your way. You're walking. You're in darkness. You don't know what's going on. Trust that God will provide when you are at the right place. And keep walking in faith. Some of y'all are being tempted to lower your standards, to be disobedient to God, but to get at least some of what you've been longing for, you've been asking God for, that he's promised you. And I want to encourage you to resist that temptation. And in due time, you will reap if you do not grow weary. Keep doing good. Keep following the Lord. And you'll reap. If you've messed up in the past, ain't nothing you can do about that. Just repent of it and move forward. And say, God, I'm following you today. That's what God requires. You know, a whole bunch of sorries doesn't mean anything if you don't repent and turn away from it. But once you've repented and turned away from it and said, God, forgive me, you don't have to keep bringing that up. It's forgotten. It's wiped off. It's paid in full. Pick your head up and follow God now and know that he can use you and know that he has a plan for you. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Trust in him. For some of us, you know, one of the amazing things to me, God says to him, you know, now I know you, you truly, how much you really love me. How much faith you have. And later on, God says that to us. You want to know how much God loves you? Well, you didn't withhold your son, even your son, your only son. I mean, who would have blamed God if he just said, you know, I'm going to try to help you people. You can, I'll do whatever it is to try to help you to get right with me. Except giving my son. I can't do that. I would have understood that. But guess what? There ain't no other way. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good stuff. You can't make up for your sin because the wages of sin is death. Separation from God for all eternity. And the only way to fix that is to have someone die in your place who had not sinned himself. And there's only been one of those. And his name is Jesus. And God didn't withhold his one and only son. He gave him for us. And so if you don't have a relationship with God, he made a way. He sacrificed his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life.
If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that they've been paid for, because the offer is there, but we got to grab hold of it through a relationship with Jesus. That's the only thing. If you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you're in right relationship with God, you got to admit that you're a sinner and ask forgiveness. you got to believe that Jesus is God's son. It's really, you know, our part is simple. It's simple. And it's honestly easy. Well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is easy. You see, Jesus did the heavy lifting. He lived a sinless life here on this earth. Even being tempted as we are, yet without sin. And he died the death that should have been ours. So he already did the hard part. So you got to believe in him, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose on the third day according to Scripture. And then the last thing is you got to declare Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We got the easy part. If you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, that you're in right relationship with God, and that you'll be his for all eternity, forever, I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is anybody who would like to, I'll lead you in a prayer of salvation. And you can repeat it after me, or pray in your own words if you'd rather, that's fine. And you don't have to do it out loud, pray in your heart, God will hear you. But anyone who would like to, I want to invite you to pray this with me right now. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. Pray it with me now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Cleanse me. And make me yours. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you believe, if you confess him as your savior and Lord, in that moment, your sins were forgiven and you are saved. You belong to God. And Jesus said it clearly, that once you're in my Father's hands, no one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. If you believe and you prayed that prayer, here's what I want to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to say anything in front of all these people. But I would like to pray for you and encourage you. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, Here's all I want you to do. I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. If you prayed that prayer today, look up at me right now. Okay. All right, I see you. Got you. 
Okay. So I want to pray for you, but I also want to pray for another group of folks. Some of you, you're in that place of darkness. You're being tested right now. And I want to pray that you would be strengthened and encouraged during this time. You know, the Bible says to count it all joy, and that means that, that it, at some level we can still choose joy even when we are walking in darkness because we know that God is faithful and we know that God is going to use this to build us and to strengthen us. If you're in the middle of some kind of testing right now, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you as well. There's several, okay? All right? Okay? I want to pray for you too. So I want to pray for those that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus and those that are in the middle of that testing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for those that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus today. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. We pray for blessings upon them and upon their households. And Father, we pray they'd find the right church, whether that's here or somewhere else, where they can be taught the Word of God and grow in their faith. Lord, thank you for their decision to trust you. And Lord, I pray for those that are being tested right now, that God, you would strengthen them by your spirit, that you would encourage them and you would give them whatever they need, Father, as I know you have to be faithful, to keep walking in the darkness, to not build their own fires, to not look for a way of escape but look for a way of provision, provision that only comes from you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you that you are a God who sees and will see to it. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.